Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Matt Williamson back here with the Locked On NFL Podcast. And before we go any further, I have to apologize for yesterday. <laughs> Here's what happened. I recorded the podcast on GarageBand for the first time on my Apple. And I had music at the beginning. I had all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I thought the audio would be better. There's been things that, you know, some people have said that this has been kind of quiet, that they need to crank up the volume when they listen um, so I figured I'd rectify all those problems. I recorded about a 45-minute podcast, something along those lines. And I will say, it happened to be probably one of the best ones I've done yet. Posted it and realized like 15 minutes later that there was nothing there. It was just all nothing. Like the whole thing had been muted or I, I still don't know what the problem was. So I apologize because it was really my only window of the day. I couldn't record another so, uh, that made me very grumpy, and I don't like this producing aspect. So, uh, I will have to work on that. As of now, I'm going back to the old format. I hope you hear me fine. I will speak up. I have the volume up all the way. Hopefully, that's uh, helpful. And instead of our front four, I'm just going to spit some things out. You know, we're just going rapid fire basically today to combine basically two shows into one. Um, tonight I will be watching games, and as you probably know, week three is the best preseason games to watch. I will say after week three, week four is a real downer, and, and a, you know, everyone, all, all you can think about really is week one of the NFL season. So next week, maybe we won't break down games, after week four, maybe we won't break down games as much, and maybe we'll do things like power rankings and... Uh, over-under win totals. It's something I want to go through and give you my over-under win totals for every team. So maybe we'll hold that for after week four. Um, although you could probably convince me to do a power ranking next week too. But we'll see. Anyways, lots to discuss in a short amount of time. My apologies again for yesterday. I am Matt Williams, and this is the Locked On NFL Podcast. Again, I urge you to check out the Locked On Network if there was something about your team that maybe you missed yesterday because of my screw-up, uh, you can go check out Locked On, your favorite team. And I'm sure they discussed it quite a bit there. Those guys are doing excellent, excellent work. And how about the Chargers? Man, this Joey Bosa Charger nonsense. I'll be quite frank. I've been avoiding it on here with you guys because with the practice squad, with my buddy here. And... Because I kept thinking, this is so petty, it's just going to be over. By the time they they record today, or listen to today's podcast, it's going to be done. And then the Chargers come out and make a public statement about it, which I kind of felt was sort of a classless move. I mean, do you really need to address the public on this? And Chargers have a little bit of a history. Uh, going back to Rivers, you know, they're not the, um, you know, they don't necessarily get the benefit of the doubt as some other organizations might. And... You know, just talking about on the field, when they drafted Bosa, a lot of people, including myself, kind of went, 
boy, he's a 4-3 end. You know, they're a 3-4 team. Is he going to stand up? Is he going to be, you know, a 5 tech technique? Is he going to... And I think the answer is yes. I think they're going to line him up all over the place. And after the pick, it really... I really warmed up to the idea about Bosa as a charger. You know, their, their run defense was very poor last year. He's a good run defender. You know, he's a very solid, technically sound player. He's a very good player, obviously. He's third pick in the draft, and deservedly so. But I think they were planning on lining him up all over the place. And now there's questions if he'll play. And if he does get in there soon, you know, how ready is he going to be? He's missed so much valuable time. And to me, it comes down to, you know, these two are battling for position. And I think it's pretty simple that Bosa says to the Chargers, you know, basically cave or you're not going to get me this year. And the Chargers are trying to win. I think they're going to be a very improved team. They're trying to get a new stadium. Uh, and they want their a very good asset to be on the field for them. And I think the other way around, the Chargers look at it and say, well, we know the last thing you want is to sit out the year and go back in the draft. You know, that's a years of payment that you're not getting. Who knows when you'd go in the draft in the 2017 draft. So it, it, to me, it seems like they're playing chicken. But, you know, I, I am not a capologist. I am not an expert when it comes to contracts. I know I like the player. I know the fit is really starting to grow on me. They could really use him. And I think he would be an asset immediately. I thought he was a front runner for... Defensive Rookie of the Year. I don't know how you could possibly think that now. Another note around the league. Uh, Brian Stork, I think he was a fourth-round pick out of Florida State, a center for the Patriots, was traded to the Redskins. And don't get too excited. They didn't give much up. I mean, I think it was a conditional pick. If he makes the team or if he plays X amount of games, we'll give you this draft pick. Um, And by all accounts, the Patriots were going to cut him. And that surprises me. Because, I mean, I thought he was in the mix to start when camp opened. Um, I do know he has a concussion history, and I know he's not a wonderful player. And one thing about him, too, is he's really just a center. I know he's tried other places, but it hasn't gone well for him. He's clearly best at center. And that's a tough gig. You know, if you're only a center and you're not the starter, only one guy can get injured for you to get your jersey dirty that day. So... Position flexibility for centers is important. I mean, at a minimum, you should be able to back up all three interior and you know offensive line spots. And, and some guys can't. And if you're not one of 32 centers, it's you know you don't have a whole lot of value if you're only a backup center that can only play center. And you know he's not a great one anyways. Um, however, Washington's been very weak at center now for two years, and I'm pretty shocked that. They weren't m- more proactive this past offseason to bring some sort of center in in the in free agency or the draft. You know, I think their offensive line has come a long way, but that position is weak. More offensive line news. A lot of offensive ni- line news, actually. The Texans' second-round pick, another center, Nick Martin, ankle, probably going to miss the season. That's a bummer, man. You know, I, I always feel for rookies, you know, Kevin White, Perryman, those kind of guys last year that you don't even get to see the rookie year. And, you know, who knows what kind of irreparable damage it'll do to someone's career if you don't get to even play your first season. But, you know, they're, they lost Jones, their center. They lost Brooks. I know they brought in Allen. But I don't tr- trust Dwayne Brown to be an upper-tier player anymore. Right tackle's consistently been a problem for the Texans. You know, I think they drafted Martin second round, just plug-and-play starting center. 
and that's not going to happen. Uh, the, I'm not an Osweiler fan. I think, as you know, I'm a big fan of all the weaponry they have there now, and I, I commend them for assembling all that speed and versatility. But their offensive line in Houston is frightening, and this is bad news. An offensive line that isn't frightening. We got a lot of offensive line notes here. The Packers. I think the Packers are going to have one of the best lines in the league. Even though they lost Corey Lindsley, their starting center. Man, what a center talk. How about that? Tore his hamstring twice so far. And one in April and one in July. And he's going to start the season on the pup list. Um, very good player. I think he's a top 10 center in this league. High quality player. But the Packers have a great luxury that they they have Treader. Treader's a very, very good player. Um, he, he's been the backup center. He can play guard. He can play tackle. Uh, he may even be an upgrade. I really like Treader, and I think, you know, he'll fill right in. Uh, now, that hurts their depth a little bit, but that's what depth is for. So, I don't think the Packers lose a step, even though they lose a quality starter here for a while. Um, another one to keep an eye out on, and the news isn't as clear on, more offensive line talk. Kyle Long, he missed the last couple practices with a labrum issue in his shoulder. And the reason I bring this up, usually I don't talk about injuries, especially in the preseason, that, boy, he missed a couple games. He missed the last couple practices. Like, Gronk missed the last week and a half or whatever, and I haven't brought it up because no one's really thought, boy, he's never gonna, he's not going to play this year. Now, John Brown, on the other hand, is somebody that's a little bit scary, and I'm hoping to find more news out about him. But anyways, back to Kyle Long. I really only bring this up because, and I think we've talked about this, you and I talked about this, but I think their tackles in Chicago are terrible. And they lost their starting center for the year, who is already a bit of a question mark to begin with in Grasso. And I look at their offensive line, and I have hopes for Whitehair at one guard, but he's a rookie. I, I think Long is their only legit quality starter. And if by chance he misses any time, one of the worst offensive lines in the league might be the very worst. Uh, the, the Chicago O-line has me very concerned, and this is like the last news you want to hear. I mean, I think Long's a borderline Pro Bowl-type player, very good player, and of all the Bears, he'd be really high on my list of guys you do not want to get injured. So how about this? For those of you who don't know, we are sponsored by SeatGeek. You know, uh, the, the Locked On NFL podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the mobile app for the easiest way to buy tickets and the promo code LO and the team that, you know, you can go to any of the, any of the uh, Locked On networks and their team names, but ours is going to be NFL. That gives you 25 bucks off your first purchase. 20 bucks. 20 bucks off your first purchase. What a deal. SeatGeek's great stuff. For those of you that don't know, it's by far the easiest way to pick up tickets to whatever event you want to go to. Um, the The mobile download device is very convenient. So what you do is you go in, you put the promo code in, L-O-N-F-L. It's pretty easy. 20 bucks off, free money. How could you not do it? SeatGeek's good stuff. Do it right away. I know you're going somewhere this weekend. You're looking for week one games. Maybe you're looking for week three preseason game tickets. Who knows? But, okay, we talked about the Redskins earlier with Brian Stork, and I like that move for them. Uh, the, the other news is Josh Doxson is supposed to be ready with his Achilles for week one. Good. I mean, yeah. I mean, of course, that's better than the alternative. I mean, that's what you're looking for, obviously. But a deep wide receiver depth chart, 
no real work to this point. Uh, I don't know what we should expect from him. You know, uh, and my hunch is not a lot. That probably shouldn't expect a whole heck of a lot from Doxson. And it might take a a while for him to acclimate. Maybe by mid-season he's a consistent contributor. But there's just quality people ahead of him. And, of course, they like him. He's a first-round pick. I like him. I really like his ball skills. I think he can go up and get it. I think he does a lot of very good things. But I think we have to temper expectations for for Doxson of what we could expect from a rookie wide receiver now in in week one. So yesterday, <laughs> early in the morning, or I think maybe it was late last night, or late the night before, I put a, a tweet out there that, hey, send me some... Uh, send me some questions, and, and that's what we were going to do yesterday. And that's what we did do yesterday, except you didn't hear it. So I sat here in my basement about 24 hours ago, around noon on Wednesday in Pittsburgh, answering your questions. So I've kind of been there, done this with, with these questions, but they were good. And I really liked that show, you know, that you guys asked some quality questions. And honestly, the ones that aren't quality questions, I just didn't pick. Um but my man Ryan Dean asked me, is Cody Kessler Hugh Jackson's version of Andy Dalton? Could see him taking over and being a game manager with great weapons. I think that's exactly what he is, Ryan. I think this is a smart pick by them. Philosophically, you know, like I didn't think Kessler was a very good prospect. Um, but I see what they see in him. Hugh Jackson comes from Cincinnati. And I think they look at Kessler as a total fallback option, you know, that they can develop him into Andy Dalton light, light, you know, and that's, that's not giving Dalton enough credit. You know, I mean, Dalton's a better player than, than Cody Kessler, obviously, and probably than Cody Kessler ever will. But if he only develops into a high end backup that they can trust and be a quote game manager, that's worth a pick. I mean, especially with 14 draft picks, you know, I think he's insurance. I think he's a safe player, a safe prospect that can, you know, if you, you know, continue to build this wide receiver core and the running backs, I think, are pretty good. And Barney's is a good player. You put weapons around him and continue to build those that he can manage the offense a year from now and not kill you in an Alex Smith-like fashion. Uh, in the meantime, I don't think they look at him and say, boy, he's the answer. But if everything goes wrong, RG3 flops, and then they use the first pick in the draft next year on Watson from Clemson, and he's no good, you still have Kessler, who's young, cheap, and at a minimum, I think he's a good backup. So I like this pick, although I don't love the player. He's not my style of quarterback, but I see what they see in him. And, you know, a a huge key to this business, and honestly, I think it's one of my strengths, is to... Learn to think as those around you think, which is from The Godfather. You better know that by now. It's the best movies ever. Um, there's actually a lot of very good lessons in life to learn from The Godfather. I hope you know that. If you haven't or if you're young and are not a Godfather fan, you need to finish this podcast at least. But then run to SeatGeek and then run and download and watch The Godfather 1 and 2. It'll only take you six or seven hours. but And then watch it again because it's much better the second time. It's much better the third time. But in order for me to do my job as well as I can, I use the lesson that Vito taught Michael to learn to think as those around you think. You know, and my thoughts with Kessler were, I don't really like this guy. But whenever a team takes him and they have this Dalton connection and their current quarterback conundrum, 
I think that's what they're thinking, is maybe he can be Andy Dalton. He's a fallback plan. He's insurance. We're not just going to take a guy and uh, one player and put all our chips in that basket and hope RG3 leads us to the promised land. Tom Marshall asks, who will have a bit, bigger impact on their new team, Olivier Vernon or Josh Norman? This is really a coin flip and a tough question. I like both players a lot. Norman goes to a scheme that plays a lot of zone, which is what he does very, very well. Um, I think his presence is big because now the cornerback situation is a strength of the defense. I think the Redskins' pass rush is as good as Carolina's was last year, or for, certainly their front seven isn't as good as Carolina's was last year. But I think the Redskins have an underrated pass rush. Kerrigan, I really like Preston Smith. That's a name to know if you don't already. Uh, and, you know, Norman's presence also puts guys like Breland as your number two corner, as opposed to your number one corner. So I think he's a nice pickup. They Probably both these teams overspent, but that's what happens in free agency. That's not what we're here to analyze is the, the, the nature of the contract. I think Norman is a success story for the Redskins. But I'm going to go with Vernon here. Vernon's looked great in the preseason. He hasn't played a ton, but he's been a dominant player. He was whipping up on his, his old team, the Dolphins, earlier. Um, but he's very good. He's a pure 4-3 defensive end, which is exactly what the Giants want. Um, you know, again, think as those around you think. What do the Giants want? They want to they want to rush four. They want a dominant defensive line. We know how they team build. This is going back to Strahan, and they've used a lot of first-round picks since then on defensive linemen, particularly edge rushers and ends. They put their assets up front on defense. Their linebackers, they totally, totally ignore. And they put all their money in draft picks and capital into, you know, defensive linemen. And I think Vernon's a hit. I think JPP might be the better player. And he's somebody that's kind of flowing under the radar, you know, under the radar a little bit because he didn't rack up a lot of sacks last year, but he still looks really good to me. And he was beating tackles. He just didn't get quarterbacks on the ground. Second year with that hand situation. That pass rush of Vernon and JPP could be, you know, one of the best in the league. They're much improved at corner. Safeties are young. We'll see. You know, they're they're counting on a second and first year first and second year player to quarterback the defense and to play safety for them. We'll see how that goes. Most reports have been good. I mentioned to you that Landon Collins played well last week. Uh, he's more of an in the box guy, and of course, they're not going to be good at linebacker. They're never good at linebacker. Next question. Thoughts on... This is from Tim NFL, at Tim NFL. And Tim's a big fan of the show. Uh, he's a pretty good follow on, on Twitter, too. He, he knows his stuff. Thoughts on Colts having a defensive head coach and a really bad defense. Should they have kept Arians instead? This is a long conversation. And it's a good question. In a nutshell, or if I'm an expansion team, I would rather have Arians than Pagano. And I think most would. You know, that you know, who's a better head coach, Arians or Pagano? I think 99% of the public would say Arians. And rightfully so. I think he's one of the best in the business. However, Pagano was actually was our secondary coach with the, the Browns. And I'm a fan of his. And I think he is not doing a poor job in Indianapolis I don't like how the team is structured. I don't like how the front office has done things. I blame the front office more than I blame Pagano. And let's go back to when he was hired. I mean, when you remember the 
Remember the Peyton Manning years in Indianapolis with Dungy. Dungy's a Tampa two cover two, you know, guru coming from you know coming from Tampa, um, and that's what predominantly the Colts ran. They, they used you know Manning obviously ate up a large portion of cap space, and they used first round pick after first round pick on tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. You know, a die edge, Donald Brown, uh, Dallas Clark. Anthony Gonzalez, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, most worked out. You know, they surrounded Peyton Manning with great weaponry. And on defense, uh, they basically knew what their philosophy was. We're going to score a lot of points. We have Peyton Manning, and we got a lot of stars for him to hand and throw the ball to. So on defense, we're going to have to cut corners. Where we're not going to cut corners, especially playing in a dome and, you know, against teams that are going to have to throw a lot, is pass rushers. We're going to have Mathis and Freeney. You know, we're going to be able to rush the passer at least from our four-man defensive end spot. So in order to do all those things, you can't. You got to cut corners somewhere. Well, they cut corners basically with the rest of their defense, especially a linebacker. I mean, their linebackers are just anybody they picked up. You know, fourth-round pick. Okay, you're starting. You know, you're cheap. You know, they look for cheap labor basically throughout the rest of the defense. Played a lot of cover two, played a lot of zone, rushed four. Um, so Pagano gets hired from the Ravens, where he was defensive coordinator, and their defense couldn't have been any more different, different philosophically than what Dungy and the Colts were running before that. I mean, we're talking Nada, Suggs, Lewis, Reed, you know, highly versatile, star power, uh, very aggressive, multiple fronts, one of the biggest, most physical defenses in all the land, and one of the best, and... You know, they put a lot of all their a lot of their resources on defense, a defensive minded team. So in order to make that transition from the Dungy defense, the Manning Years defense, to the Pagano defense is a huge undertaking to begin with. Let alone when your general manager does it poorly. <laughs> you know, that I, I wrote an article the other day or you know, over the offseason going through every offense and defense in the league and picking one major strength for that team, for that you know side of the ball. And my hardest position to do, my hardest team to do, was the Colts defense. I didn't know what to pick. And I ended up picking Vontae Davis, who's now hurt. And we talked about before, you know, this could be the worst defense in the league. But they never, they've tried to play a Ravens style, at least they were, you know, when Pagano started. And they flat out have not done that at all. You know, they even brought a couple of Ravens players over. Um, so the transition has been terrible. They too have put a lot of resources and draft picks on the offensive side of the ball, which I'm fine with. But, you know, you surround luck with quality players, but they also had gobs and gobs of cap space whenever they cut Peyton Manning. And remember how bad they were, you know, uh, they, they not only did Grigson in this front office benefit from, you have the no-brainer first overall pick in Andrew Luck. And this is a side note. I'm sitting here looking at a poster or a, you know, a signed thing of Mario Lemieux, who I told you is my, my favorite athlete. I can't give a GM massive kudos for turning in the card on Mario Lemieux or LeBron James or you know somebody that my sister can go to a game and say, this is the best guy out there. You know, I mean, I don't think it makes you a tremendous GM when the first overall pick Anyone in the world can make the pick, and you just turn the card in. Uh, the rest of that draft class I thought was very good for the Colts, though. T.Y. Hilton, Allen, Fleener, those guys. But since then, they've drafted terribly, basically, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And they've spent a lot of that those gobs and gobs of cap space they created by releasing everybody and starting over for the luck era 
on old defensive players that didn't hit. I mean, Trent Cole and those type of guys, it's bad business. You know, th their formula is bad, and their defense really shows little room for improvement. It's not like, boy, there's five young guys that if they step up and they look really promising, this defense will be pretty good. I think this defense is going to be right there with the Browns and I'm not sure who else. Miami sort of comes to mind as the worst defense in the league, and Luck's going to have to throw over and over. And I don't blame the head coach for that. I mean, I, I, of course, it's not exactly a feather in his cap that, hey, you got the worst defense in the league. But I blame the decision makers more than that. Adam Wilson, what rookie wide receiver will have the best year given their opportunity and scheme? Talked about Doxon. I can't pick him. Uh, Treadwell's not even running with the first team right now. Uh, Coleman's got a chance. You know, I don't know if the team does him a lot of favors. If you're just looking for, you know, fantasy points, yards, touchdowns, and whatnot, he may rack up a lot late in games, garbage time. Who knows? Um, Thomas in New Orleans certainly comes to mind. I really like his fit as the new Marcus Colston, but a more athletic version that can do more after the catch and get downfield more. Um, but my pick would be Shepard in New York. I, I think, first of all, I have no faith in Cruz. Um, Odell's a total star, but the rest of the skill position players with the Giants, and their boys, their offense looked bad in the preseason. Just horrible. Um, you know, I know Eli hasn't played, but man, horrible. Back of the quarterback situation is a nightmare there. Their skill players are bad. Their line is stinky, especially at tackle. But I think Shepard is their answer as the number two wide receiver, a good compliment to Odell, a fantastic route runner, runs a lot of slants and a lot of quick-hitting routes, but can also get deep. I'm a big fan of his work. I'm a big fan of the system fit. Uh, I think he has a chance to be a highly productive player from day one. So I guess my vote would be Shepard. I also have high hopes for Thomas. I think Coleman's in that conversation. I guess Tajay Sharp has to be in the conversation, too. I mean, he's right there with Dak Prescott as, like, the the rookie darling of the preseason, you know. And, and he's good. I mean, he's playing very well. Adjusting from UMass to, to playing in the NFL, good route runner, catches everything, always open. You know, I made the joke on Twitter the other day when I was watching that game, Mariota Sharp, Mariota Sharp, Mariota Sharp. It was just over and over. He just kept feeding him over and over, and he was, you know, he was clearly the guy to go to. He was open. Uh, I think some of the bloom off that rose, is that, the, is that the quote? Whatever. Shine off that rose, whatever. I think a little of that shine will probably deteriorate. I don't think he's going to be the rookie of the year. I mean, well, actually, Zeke Elliott's going to be the rookie of the year. Um, but I, I think Sharp will be a quality starter and start from day one. I don't know that he's going to rack up 1,000 yards or anything like that. So my vote is Shepard with high hopes for Thomas as well question mark around Coleman. I wish we'd see more of him, and maybe we will. Uh, so you and I, we will talk tomorrow. I actually have to run again. Another busy day for me. My son is getting a tooth extracted. I'm taking him out of school, my 10-year-old. Um, he doesn't seem real worried about it, but I am. Um, so I need to get rolling, but I will pl I'm planning on watching two games tonight before we convene again tomorrow, and then I'll be watching games all over the weekend. You know, week three is quote, the dress rehearsal. It's not like these teams are scheming against each other, though. You know, coaches aren't spending the whole week breaking down tape of the upcoming opponent and that quarterback and throwing blitzes at him that he's most uncomfortable with or anything along those lines. So, yes, it's the dress rehearsal in that 
you know, starters will play more snaps. Yes. And some guys that haven't played at all, like, for example, here in Pittsburgh, Roethlisberger hasn't even been on the field. He's going to play. Um, because if they do get dinged up, it gives them two weeks to heal, you know. And so, okay. Yes, you'll see more. But don't get too worked up if your team loses by 20. You know, there's no coaching, scheming, that sort of thing. But we will have plenty to talk about tomorrow and tons to talk about on Monday. My apologies again for tomorrow or from yesterday. And check out SeatGeek. Check out the Locked On Network. There's a lot of really good work being done here. And drop me a note on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL, wondering how the sound quality is today. And again, my apologies for yesterday. It was a really good show you missed. But we'll talk tomorrow.